We discuss Zach Wilson's injury, preseason week one standouts, and more coming up next on Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, so that means I am your host, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens. And thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And this episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Bet Online. The line is covered the season with more props, odds, and lies than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we are back another Monday. After week one of preseason football has concluded, again, just so many fun things to talk about here today. Football is officially back for all 32 NFL teams, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of different preseason standouts, but also a very significant preseason injury in that of quarterback Zach Wilson of the New York Jets. So we'll be talking with John Butchko of Locked On Jets in the second segment. In the first and third segments, though, we're going to be talking with Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars, and then Eric Crocker of Locked On 49ers. We'll talk with Tony about Trayvon Walker, Trevor Lawrence, and more, and then we'll talk with Eric about Trey Lance and that 49ers team. So without any further ado, let's dive into our our first topic of conversation with Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars. Well, joining me here now to talk about some first-year players, some second-year players, is the host of Locked On Jaguars, Tony Wiggins. Tony, I, I'm really happy to have you back on here. You were actually on the first show I did here of Locked On NFL. Now we're back talking Trayvon Walker, Trevor Lawrence. How you doing? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? It, it, we're doing well over here, and, and I'm excited because obviously with the number one overall pick this year, there wasn't any clear-cut option months out like we've seen a lot, a lot of past off seasons. Trayvon right. Walker, the Jaguars, make him that selection. Now, Jacksonville's played two preseason games. Week one of the preseason's done, but Jacksonville's had the Hall of Fame game. They've had week one of the preseason. What have you seen from him so far in these two games? Physical freak, exactly why they picked him. And uh, just for, for the record, I haven't been the biggest Trent Baalke fan. Uh, in fact, I, I wanted them to get rid of him and start over. Um, even before the Urban Meyer situation. And then after that, I wanted them to, to do a clean start. But I have to give him credit. Um, he, he, he does something that a lot of NFL people think about, and that is he drafts for traits. He drafts for athletic traits, especially when you're picking that high. And folks focused a lot on the stats of Trayvon Walker as opposed to the why. And uh, just to give you some quick background, Two years ago at Georgia, Georgia had all of those players they had last year and Stokes, the first round pick corner in Green Bay, Tyson Campbell, the first pick of the second round here who's in Jacksonville, Aziz Ojolari, and Jermaine Johnson. So that's two years ago. They had all of those guys plus all of the guys they had this year, and they gave up 40 points three times. Georgia changed their defense. They said, you know what we're going to do? Our linebackers are going to chase everything. You guys bang that line up, clog everything up, and what we're going to do is we're not going to let the quarterback scramble up the middle. And if he tries to go outside, guess who's chasing him? N'Kobe Dean and the other kid up in uh, Green Bay, the other linebacker, and Channing Tindall. They're, they're just, he, they're not, you saw Bryce Young struggle with that when uh, Nolan Smith ran him down a couple of times when he was trying to get outside. You just weren't going to be able to scramble up the middle on Georgia. 
and no one wanted to believe when we when we were telling people this kid is an athletic freak he's not a a, a wonder at the combine he was somebody that was seriously the best player georgia's players said it when they were asked at the combine they asked him who's the best. He said, Trayvon Walker was the best player on the team. They they flat out said it. So far, that athletic ability and those Godzilla-like traits in the first two games and in the practices I've been, it has translated to the NFL. Yeah, and we've seen it over those two games. And you mentioned that Georgia defense that again had so many dominant players on it. So for those players to say, hey, the best player on that defense was Trayvon Walker, I mean, that's an endorsement in itself right there. So you're looking at that as what what bells can you do in terms of getting that? But Tony, you're looking now at this 2021 draft class, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, those two first round picks, or at least some of those first round picks. Now that was the Clemson duo. They reunited mm-hmm. in Jacksonville, but Travis Etienne didn't get to play in 2021 due to his foot injury. So you have now those two reunited on the field professionally. What have you seen from Trevor Lawrence? What have you seen from Travis Etienne in his debut here as things kind of get going? Trevor has really learned from the stuff from last year, you know, from all of the dysfunction. And, you know, before last year, he went through a a period where he was just trying to get himself ready to come to training camp because he had surgery. That's why he worked out early for Urban Meyer at Clemson. And he went and had – so he was rehabbing before training camp. And then he got in training camp, and the coaching staff absolutely didn't know what to do. This was his first real offseason with – uh, what I call uh, NFL insulation with Mike McCoy and Press Taylor, as well as um, Doug Peterson, who has a history with quarterbacks. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. The throws are tighter. His feet are always in the right direction. Uh, some people say he needs to move a little bit faster, but I can guarantee you, like, just let the ball go quicker. Dan Orlowski said that on Twitter today. I guarantee you they're telling him, no. You don't have to let it go quicker. Just make sure you do it the right way. It seems like he's sort of being robotic a little bit, and Orlovsky mentioned that too. And at some point, it's going to become instinctive. In terms of Travis Etienne, he has looked super, super explosive in practice. In the game the other day, which is his first action, he didn't play in the Hall of Fame game. He was explosive, but he was making mistakes that rookies also make. He was trying stuff that's not going to work in the NFL. He tried to bounce something outside, and it should have been a five-yard loss, but it was only a one-yard loss, you know? So – he caught, he dropped a pass that could have probably been a touchdown, but then he came back and caught one for a first down. So those 9, 10, 11 touches that he did get are really going to help him in the long haul. And Doug Peterson so much as said that yesterday. He said he tried to do some things that he probably can't do on this level, but he'll learn from it. We'll look at the film and we'll move forward. So I think he's going to have a good year. And that's exactly what the preseason is for, getting those mistakes out for ETN, who, again, didn't have that 2021 season. But, Tony, who are some of the players on that Jaguars team over these first two games that you have seen stand out in these games? Uh, well, we saw Josh Allen play a little bit the other night. He did, he also did not play in the first game. We mentioned Trevon Walker, who has, who has uh, played well. I'll tell you a couple of guys that have really looked good. It was Rayshon Jenkins, who signed last year as a free agent from the Chargers, and he left last year with a foot injury. Uh, he's looked really, really good. He called, He had a big hit the other night that caused a fumble. He's been very, very active uh, in his ability to move around. And and then uh, Dewan Smoot and Arden Key, uh, a couple of reserve guys who are going to be reserve edge rushers, but they're mostly going to line up at the three technique, especially in the lightning package when they go to a Fort Man front on, in nickel. They've actually shined a lot. And the one thing the Jaguars are hurting right now, uh, to me, is depth because they're, they got up 13 to nothing the other, the other night. The starters sat down, and then they gave up 24 consecutive points. So their depth has really struggled in their first two games. 
So it's going to be good and incumbent that at least those two guys can give them some rotational pieces and passing downs in case they get into a shootout with someone. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you mentioned Doug Peterson, first-year head coach, obviously Urban Meyer out, Doug Peterson. And and, and teams aren't going to put everything they have on the plate in the preseason, right? This is They're just going to do basic stuff. But what did you see out of Doug Peterson and his staff over these first two games, or even if you want to go back to what you've seen in training camp, and how encouraged are you with that? I'm encouraged because it looks competent, and that's what everyone is saying. Everything looks competent. The practice sessions look competent. The way that they are able to – transfer at least the starters the other night they were able to transfer some things from practice on the game day and uh just schematically they're going to test the middle of the field they're going to try to eat that real estate up it seems like the jaguars were throwing the ball sideways and then when they had gardner Minshew as the quarterback for those those two seasons because he doesn't put a lot of velocity on the ball stats can be misleading because gardner was one of the leading guys of passes over 25 yards but when you watched it you know that he was throwing anticipatory throws instead of a little bit of a pick and stick stuff that you have to do in the NFL and fit ball into tight windows. He wasn't doing that. He was throwing it early. Those are tails for the defensive backs. Receivers were getting lit up. Now they're going to test that real estate. I'm talking about those intermediate routes where guys can catch the ball on those uh, deep crossers and continue to run with the ball instead of being facing the quarterback when they catch it and then wherever they catch it, they didn't get any yards after catch. So I think the deep middle, those out passes, and the screen game are going to be really, really uh, important things for Doug Peterson here in Jacksonville. And, and it's huge with guys like Trevor Lawrence going into his second season, ETN coming out for his first playing season here and, and having those other receivers too. The Jacksonville invested so much into that position with Christian Kirk, Jay, Say Jones, et cetera. But Tony, asked you about some players who impressed. Who are some players who over these last two games you want to see a bit more out of in Jacksonville? Uh, the offensive line in general, they signed Brandon Sheriff from Washington to play right guard. They drafted Luke Fortner at center and they retained uh, Tyler Shatley and they moved him full time. He was a, a swing player playing guard, backup guard and backup center. The offensive line hasn't really been as dominant as you'd like them to be. There's a little bit of a competition at right tackle between Walker Little and Jawan Taylor, both two young players. Cam Robinson has looked like a veteran. I was kind of against them re-signing him. Uh, and franchise tagging him two years in a row, but they gave him a long-term deal. And I was wrong about that. He's really looked apart uh, so far in training camp. But the unit as a whole, you know, I call it the C's, the chemistry, the continuity, the cohesion. They haven't hit a stride with that yet. And we, I'll anticipate that they will, uh, but they have to be better at the point of attack because Cleveland was playing with backups the other night, and those guys were penetrating and getting into the backfield. Yeah, well, Jacksonville's made upgrades to their roster. They have a young quarterback here in his second season that looks to be taking a jump, and I'm excited to see what they can do over the course of this 2022 season. Tony, thanks so much for joining me here. Thank you, Kevin. Always good uh, to talk to you and chop it up with you. That Jacksonville team has a lot of talent. They've added some young talent, obviously, in the form of Trayvon Walker, that number one overall pick. Hopefully a jump from Trevor Lawrence as well, and they invested so much money in those wide receivers, so hopefully they'll be able to pan out as well. What into our first break here, though, on Locked on NFL. Coming up, we'll be talking with John Butchko of Locked on Jets about Zach Wilson's injury and what the Jets will do moving forward with that. We're back here with our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostrick, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listener today. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and follow along with us in audio form. But we're going to now dive into our next topic of conversation, talking about that Zach Wilson injury, the Jets. Dodging a major bullet there with that. But we'll talk with John Butchko of Locked On Jets about that now. 
All right, joining me now here to talk about the biggest storyline of the preseason so far is the host of Locked On Jets, John Bushko. And John, the Zach Wilson injury, I mean, what a relief for Jets fans everywhere that that was not a torn ACL, a bigger knee injury, just a bone bruise, meniscus surgery, but very minimally invasive. How you doing? Well, Kevin, it's a good point because there were some, there was some fear Friday night that this could be a much more serious injury, and it was spread along by some by a pretty prominent doctor on Twitter who made a diagnosis that ended up not panning out, and that, that's one of the things that drives me crazy. And that's just a personal thing. Is I hate these doctors who sit on the couch and try and diagnose guys they aren't. Uh, they're, they're, they don't. Have, they actually don't. Uh, invent, they don't examine. I look at it from one perspective. It's good that Zach Wilson isn't more seriously injured. He could be back for week one. But on the other hand, if you told me Friday night that Zach Wilson's going to suffer an injury and miss the rest of the preseason, miss the rest of training camp, I'm probably not that excited. So I guess, yes, it's good that he's not going to – it doesn't sound like he's going to miss extensive time. But you can't be that happy when your quarterback suffers a knee injury in the first preseason game. Right, and so so let's start there because we've seen over the course of the last couple of seasons teams becoming a lot more cautious with their stars in particular. Now, Zach Wilson's a second-year quarterback, so you're not necessarily saying, well, he has to rest because the reps are obviously super important for a second-year guy. But, John, do you think that Zach Wilson should have been playing in the preseason? Obviously, hindsight can be pretty 2020 in the situation, but based off of what you knew before, do you think he should have been playing? I don't have a big problem with it. He, the Jets have a lot of new pieces on offense this year. The way practices are run in training camp, you really don't get many opportunities for live action. So it's, it's always the balance, right? And whenever a player gets hurt, it's easy to look point look back and say, oh, should he have been playing? But it's not like the Jets were going to play Zach Wilson four quarters. They were trying to strike the right balance. And, you know, you have to remember, this was a non-contact injury. He was actually scrambling on the play, and he made a cut, and that's where the that's where the injury happened. So it's not like they left him out in harm's way and, you know, he got took a big hit. It was just one of those freak things that probably could have happened in practice. In football's football, these things happen all the time, whether you mentioned practice, preseason, regular season playoffs, it can happen at any point. So, again, very lucky for the Jets that it was not something more serious. But now you're looking, John, at like a reported two to four week timeline puts him maybe in jeopardy of missing the first maybe second game of the season. Maybe he doesn't miss any games at all, but when are you expecting him back? Do you think he will play in week one? Well, he's going to uh, go under the knife later this week, and Robert Sala indicated that they'll have a better idea. Of, he'll be able to pinpoint it better after he undergoes the surgery. I think the hope is that he's going to be back week one. I do think the Jets are comfortable with starting Joe Flacco if they need to. Now, should they be comfortable? That's another discussion, but... I think the Jets feel good about Joe Flacco if they have to turn to him for a game or two. And look, Flacco is not the guy he was 10 years ago when he guided the Ravens to a Super Bowl. And I'm, if you listen to the Lockdown Jets, you know I'm not that high on Joe Flacco at this point of his career. But if you need somebody to get you through one or two games, can Flacco do that? I, I think he might be able to. He's a guy who obviously knows the system well. He was with the Jets last year. He's been in practically every system in the NFL at this point of his career. You know, He knows how to set the protections against teams that throw exotic blitzes at him so i think if we were talking about zach wilson missing the full season the Jets would be looking at doing with joe flacco at quarterback but can flacco get you through one or two games especially when one of them is going to be a game where he would have a lot of motivation playing his old team against his old ravens teammates uh you know maybe and we heard flacco talk a bit about he was asked about hey does this mean more 
because you know it would be against the Ravens. He said he thought about it a tiny bit. So that motivated Flacco. Do you think that if it is Flacco and not Wilson in week one, he could pull an upset against the Ravens team that's currently favored right now? Well, the one thing about the Jets this year is I don't think that this was built to be a particularly quarterback-dependent team. Mike LaFleur is the offensive coordinator. He worked under Kyle Shanahan his entire career before coming to the Jets. This is going to be an offense based on the run game. They made a big addition in the offseason getting Lakin Tomlinson to play guard from San Francisco. They traded up to get Brees Hall in the second round out of Iowa State. This is going to be an offense that's going to try and run the football. They're going to try and work things off play action. I think the passing game is going to be built off play action. So I think that, that if, if this was a situation where the team was a little bit more quarterback dependent, and you know, Green Bay is the team that comes to mind because you have Aaron Rodgers. If you need to replace Aaron Rodgers, you're in trouble. If you need to replace the guy the Jets needed Zach Wilson to be this year, which is more, you know, the cliche is game manager, but second year quarterback who's developing, the Jets did not want to put everything on his plate. I, I think, you know, there's a chance Flacco could execute a game plan or two and do an effective job. I don't think he can do it over the long haul. I don't think he can hold up over the course of a full season, but if you need him to pick, you need a game or two, a fill-in guy, Flacco might be able to pull it off, I think. Yeah, and it's almost, you go back to the Zach Wilson stuff, because again, second-year quarterback, you're hoping he can take at least some sort of a leap in his second season. What are you expecting from, obviously, this was not a season-ending injury. He should be back relatively very early, if not, you know, missing any games. But what are you expecting from him based off of what you saw last year and what you're hoping to see this year? Well, to be honest with you, last year, I think if the Jets were being honest, it was a bit disappointing. I think that if the Jets were being honest, they tell you that they probably overestimated Zach Wilson's readiness to be a day one starter. There were a lot of struggles, especially early in the season. Week two, second game of his career against New England, he threw four interceptions. He returned from, he got injured about halfway through the year. He was near it was one of the least effective quarterbacks in the league and listen the jets didn't do him a lot of favors and the supporting cast wasn't that great when he returned he stopped throwing interceptions he started protecting the football better the efficiency numbers still weren't there so with all this in mind you know we've seen young quarterbacks year two go out and win the mvp recently uh you know patrick mahomes is an example lamar jackson did it a few years ago i i don't think you can realistically expect zach wilson to go from where he was as a rookie to play at an MVP level. I think what you'd like to see is you'd like to see competency. As I mentioned, the Jets, I think this year, have done a pretty good job surrounding him with a supporting cast. They're kind of trying to take things off his plate. So you'd like to see him be authoritative in the pocket, make the correct reads. You'd like to see the footwork get better. That was an issue last year. For me, the benchmark is Zach Wilson should look like a, a, capable, a quality NFL starter, maybe like a middle-of-the-pack type of guy. And that would be a good tra- trajectory based on what we saw last year. And I think the Jets, obviously, in the future down the line, a few years from now, would like Zach Wilson to be way more. But you, know, you don't go from being a very raw rookie to being an elite quarterback. I think that it's probably going to be a more gradual uh, tra- trajectory. And I th- so I think this year the the hope is that Zach Wilson just looks like a capable quarterback. And maybe you see a few flashes, a few games where he looks something like like a guy who could be really special. Yeah, and, you know, it's just it's taking those little steps, and sometimes that's completely okay. You don't have to be a star on day one. If you take steps to get there, that's that's totally fine. But, John, the Jets' rookie class, a lot of talent throughout all the rounds that they were able to select guys in. They obviously had plenty of first-round picks, Sauce Gardner being the, the big fish there. What have you seen out of their class so far? Uh, they're going to see some playing time. Uh, I mentioned Brees Hall, who was a second-round pick. They traded up for him in the second round. I think he's going to be one of the key parts on offense. As you mentioned, Sauce Gardner, he's going to be a starter right away. They're looking for a high-end corner. Last year, the Jets' corners were they were okay, but 
it was clear that that was a, that was an objective this this year in the offseason upgrading corner because they also got DJ Reed from Seattle. Now I don't think DJ Reed has the talent level of Sauce Gardner. I think the Jets view Sauce Gardner as a potential shutdown corner. You also have Garrett Wilson, who was a, who was the tenth overall pick. He's a plug and play guy at the receiver position. I don't know whether Garrett Wilson's going to be a number one receiver in this league, but looking at his game, he's a good route runner. He He's got the ability to make plays in space with the ball in his hands, a really effortless change of direction guy. I think he's going to be a player in some capacity. I do think he can grow into a number one receiver, but I think the floor is very high with Garrett Wilson. I think the ceiling is high, but the floor is also high. I think he's going to be a player in some capacity. Jermaine Johnson, of the four players the Jets drafted in the top 40 this year, he might be the guy who sees the field the least. He's a defensive end the Jets traded up for out of Florida State, and that's just because Jets have a lot at the defensive end position. They have Carl Lawson, who was a big free agent signing a year ago, returning from injury. Uh, they went out and got Jacob Martin in the offseason. They have a guy returning, John Franklin Myers, who's going to play a little end, a little tackle. Uh, they brought back the veteran Vinnie Curry, who missed last season with a blood disorder, and he's gotten a clean bill of health. So there's lots of talent at the defensive end position. So Johnson might be the one guy who's more of a rotational player. But I think you're going to see this rookie class see a lot of snaps. You know, we mentioned it, the Jets adding talent, both for agency and the draft. And obviously, again, very big bullet dodge by the Jets with Zach Wilson's injury. And again, that team, I think they are slated for a bit of improvement this year, obviously, with the young talent, veteran talent they brought in. But John, I appreciate you hopping on here. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Kevin. It's currently unclear what will go on with Wilson in terms of his recovery, whether he will be available for week one or if he'll have to maybe miss a game or even two in the regular season. But again, the Jets with just a bone bruise and that meniscus cleanup, that's a lot better than a torn ACL where he has to miss the entire season there. We'll head into our final break here, though, on Locked On NFL. Still a ton to dive into. I'll make it back. We'll be talking with Eric Cracker of Locked On 49ers about Trey Lance, Danny Gray, and more. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on the show. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports raging information. From live and game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today to use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're back here with our final segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker is still here with you. And thank you again for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to follow us in audio form. Subscribe here on YouTube. But now we're going to talk with Eric Crocker of Locked On 49ers about Trey Lance and that 49ers team that did make it to the NFC Championship game last year. So let's talk about that now. Joining me now to talk about Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers team is one of the hosts of Locked On 49ers in Eric Crocker. And Eric, the 49ers, they have a lot of young talent on that team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. How you doing? I'm doing good. And uh, so far, it's so good with the 49ers as well through their first uh, preseason game. Yeah, and I'm excited to talk about Trey Lance with you because this is a quarterback who obviously was behind Jimmy Garoppolo last year, didn't get a ton of starts. But I think we've seen some progression from him, at least over the course of this first preseason game. We've seen some of the stuff that the 49ers are so excited about with him. I mean, what have you seen from him throughout training camp, throughout this first preseason game that, that you're excited about with him? You know, he's a, he's a guy right now where the efficiency is a little up and down, and it's been up and down in practice. He's been stringing together some better practices as of late, which are, I guess, more pleasing to what more, yeah, yeah, I guess appealing to what, 
people want to see. But overall, I mean, what they're getting from him is a guy, even outside of maybe some of the efficiency issues, he's a he's a playmaker. He's a guy who can generate explosive plays. Uh, he was able to put that on full display in Friday's game against the Green Bay Packers where he completed a 76-yard pass to uh, Danny Gray, rookie out of SMU. So, yeah, that was that was kind of the full experience of Trey Lance. And he finished the game five of six, but we also saw where, you know, with a couple of those completions, he wasn't the most accurate guy. He threw a high pass to Ross Dwelly in the flat, which was c- completed, but it wasn't completed in an area where he can have a catch and run. He also had a pass that ended up being caught, but slightly out, out of bounds by Danny Gray. And I think right now, with where Trey Lance is in his development as a pure passer, you're you're going to have to deal with those. But on the flip side, you'll have the explosive plays as well. You know, I think a guy you could look at just in the sense of what you hope is more of kind of that Josh Allen development curve. Not saying like one day he'll be considered the best quarterback in the league or even in that discussion, but just in the sense of someone who had the efficiency issues and then, all right, like, you know, we can get through a year, with him being like that, and then hopefully he continues in the offseason to work on those uh, his mechanics to where now he's a more efficient quarterback uh, throwing the football. So right now, though, you just have to deal with kind of the ups and downs, and uh, you also can expect some explosive plays. Right, and it comes with those young signal callers, too, to some of the development and the growth that they have. But now San Francisco's flip-flopped their quarterbacks last year. It was Jimmy G, Trey Lance. This year it's Trey Lance, Jimmy G, but – What's the what's the likelihood, Eric, that he's going to be on this roster week one? And where are your most likely landing spots for him? If you listen to Kyle Shanahan, it's like 0% chance that he will be a 49er. Uh, he made it clear being on the uh, Tim Kawakami radio, uh, Tim Kawakami podcast with The Athletic, where he said, you know, this team is in a good spot. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in a good spot somewhere else. <laughs> and those were his words. So uh, Jimmy will be somewhere else. What landing spot? He'll be in. That remains to be seen. Obviously, the 49ers, and knock on wood, you don't ever want someone to just be hurt, but they're banking on a quarterback having to be out where Jimmy Garoppolo can fill in and uh, help a team in that scenario, right? Uh, If I had to guess, I'd say the most likely scenario is that the 49ers have to just release him, and they can do that because I believe if they release him, they take a cap hit of like $2 million, but they save like $25 million as opposed to uh, keeping him and not being able to roll over that big chunk of money when you have guys who have big contracts upcoming. You know, you'd rather be able to utilize that $25 million to go towards uh, guys like Debo Samuel uh, or future guys like you know, uh, Nick Bosa or, you know, whoever else might pop up where there's like, oh, we need to sign this guy. So uh, you definitely want to utilize that cap space if possible. And right now when you have – a guy like Trey Lance as your quarterback and you want to go all in with him, you don't want a quarterback kind of breathing down his neck if he has a bad game, which most rookies do. Right, and now you mentioned that backup situation. Without Jimmy Garoppolo there, it's Nate Sudfeld, it's Brock Purdy. How how are you feeling in those two guys? Are you confident in their backup situation right now? Yeah, right now, I mean, Nate Sudfeld, in the sense of just being a backup, he's been everything that you want in your quarterback. Even some of the things you would like to see a little bit better out of Trey Lance. I mean, he's been in a very, he's been a very efficient passer in practice. He's been accurate. Uh, he pushes the ball down the field. He throws outside the numbers very well. He sees the field well. He's a big guy, like six foot six. 
the tight spiral, all those things that you would like to see in a quarterback. He does it. Now, he's not the most mobile guy. And, you know, so there's kind of a limitation from uh, playmaking ability off script, but just a guy that's kind of heady and understands what his limitations are and what he needs to do. He He's the guy. So if you, you know, knock on wood, lose Trey Lance for a couple games, I think you're comfortable right now with what you're getting from Nate Subfield as a passer. Almost looks like uh, back in the day when you had Mike Vick on the Philadelphia Eagles, and then there was this guy named Nick Foles backing him up, and Nick Foles came in and had, like, an amazing year. I'm not saying that's going to be Nate Sudfield, but you see some similarities between their size and their throwing abilities uh, in their young careers. Yeah, I might have heard of that Nick Foles guy before. He might have won a Super Bowl one of those years back in the yeah. day. But yeah, yeah v- pretty good over there. But now you mentioned Danny Gray, Eric, someone who is that third-round receiver. He he made that big, long touchdown, that Trey Lance-Danny Gray connection. What, what are your early returns on him, what you've seen? So far as what I've expected, a guy who I feel like kind of has to rely on his speed to win vertically and utilize the threat of that. I think there are areas where he can continue to improve underneath, freeing himself up on, you know, comebacks, curls, you know, slants, things like that. And I don't know if the 49ers will utilize him on those things right now because that's not necessarily his strength. But you saw them line him up in the slot and kind of predict that a team will go man coverage and get a matchup that you like. 49ers were able to do that, and they hit big on it. And when you look at the 49ers receiving group right now with Brandon Ayuk, with Debo Samuel, and even George Kittle as well, you want those guys to really be able to work open underneath. And having a guy like Danny Gray where a team has to worry about him stretching the field, uh, that helps everyone else. So I still think you'll get some of those big hitters throughout the year. Uh, Trey Lance has not been shy to pull the trigger on passes vertically down the field. And I think Danny Gray can definitely help with that. I don't think he'll be a guy that you see catch 60 passes for, you know, 1,100 yards as a rookie. Maybe down the line he'll become that. But right now there's still a role for him being able to stretch the field. And now outside of Danny Gray, Eric, what about the rest of the 49ers rookie class? What have you seen from them throughout training camp and even that first preseason game? There have been some uh, things that I guess people weren't really expecting. And, you know, when you draft guys in the fourth and fifth round, you kind of hope for just anything, right? Can I just get anything out of this guy, any type of contribution? Well, right now, rookie Spencer Beerford out of UTSA, he played guard for the first couple of years in college, and then he transitioned to a tackle. The 49ers put him back at guard, and he's been tremendous. Uh, he's going to be starting day one at the right guard position for the 49ers. He has taken every single snap at right guard with the starting unit. And, I mean, he continued that momentum into the game. He did a tremendous job there. So he's pretty much locked up that right side, and he'll be playing alongside Mike McGlinchey. So they definitely, uh, so far, it looks like their early return on him is really good. And then in the fifth round, they drafted a guy out of Toledo, uh, cornerback Samuel Womack, who played a lot of outside, but 49ers have him playing in the nickel. And he had two interceptions in the first half against Green Bay, on plays that he created. Like it wasn't some bad pass or a pass that got popped up in the air and he ended up getting an interception. It was pure man coverage, sticky ability. He making the play, great ball skills, uh, returned one for about 50 yards. So uh, early on, again, it's another guy the 49ers really liking. He's competing for a starting nickel spot with uh, Dennard, uh, who's a veteran, former first round pick. But if Samuel Womack, continue to kind of be a playmaking guy. I'm pretty sure they'll start to throw a little bit more uh, at him in the sense of responsibility. And if he responds the right way, I'm not sure you don't see him starting at that nickel spot. 
uh, come week one against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, well, the 49ers team, tons of talent overall. They're obviously hoping on that jump from Trey Lance as he kind of gets going here as their starter. But that talented 49ers roster is going to make another run here, and I'm excited to see what it is, Eric. I appreciate you having all of me here today. All right, thanks for having me on. The 49ers have so much talent on that team, and they're going to make a run again in that NFC that I think, again, it's pretty wide open right now. There are a couple teams at the top there that you can say are favorites, but I think the 49ers could definitely make some noise there overall. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to get back here tomorrow. We'll be diving into more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.